0: Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Each joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 129. I hope everybody's having a great week out there. We're having a good week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. We've got a great interview for you today. We are going to be joined by Dylan Howard of Ages here in just a moment. He's got a lot of good stuff going on and we had a great conversation and you will hear that right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red Hickory comes from the center, or heart, of the Hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than White Hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned Red Hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of Red Hickory Drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabostrumsticks.com. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls. As I mentioned before the break, we're going to be joined by Ages Drummer. Dylan Howard here in just a second. Uh, Dylan is just a great guy. A total bundle of energy, super drummer, super great human being. Uh, Ages just put out a new music video a couple of weeks back for their song Colors. Just a fantastic band that's doing great work out in Southern California. Uh, I know that they're really excited about getting back out on the road here very, very soon Uh, Dylan also spent some time playing in a great band called The Vitals. Uh, If you're not hip to them, you need to check that out as well. But we had a great conversation, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this. So please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, Dylan Howard. Dylan, what's up, brother? How are you, man?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I'm doing great, dude. Just uh, having a lovely afternoon here in L.A. Just uh, got myself another cup of coffee and uh, ready to rip, dude.
0: Okay, good. So you're going to be well caffeinated for this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm kind of one of those uh, all-day coffee drinker kind of dudes, you know. So that's uh, that's my thing, dude.
0: Yeah, for sure, Love man. It. Me t- me too. So, uh, so good. <laughs> we'll, we'll both... We'll both be well caffeinated for an episode of the Drum Shuffle. Um, you know, th- thanks for taking time to do this, man. I appreciate it. So l- let's do this before we do a deep dive into your career and everything, because we will for sure. Okay. But, but, you know, how are things in L.A. right now? I don't want to spend too much time because I think we're all pandemic out, but Hey, hey, (laughs) have you guys been rehearsing? I know you had some sessions here lately. Are are you keeping pretty busy right now?
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, just honestly in the past month, it's been kind of great to see, um, the state of things kind of really, you know, turn the corner, you know, uh, work has been coming up, uh, things have been getting booked, which is absolutely fantastic, man. I just, uh, you know, I live for this stuff, so it's just uh, just amazing. And I'm a bit of a, you know, a busy bee, a social butterfly kind of guy, and I love going out and about and seeing all my people, so it's fantastic that things have started to open up again and being able to, you know, just like take my lady out for dinner and you know, those those small little like creature comforts, man, they go they go a long ways. But, yeah, things are starting to open up. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's just uh, fantastic, to be honest. <laughs>
0: That's great, man. That, well, I, I'm glad to hear. You know, I mean, we're starting to see some live music happening, you know, over here where I'm at in central Kentucky. Yeah. You know, the, the bars are starting to have bands back. And, you know, obviously some big news, you know, as we're recording this today, You know, some new guidance from the CDC basically saying if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Go do your thing. So that's, uh, you know, that's some really good news for all of us. But um, as is our tradition here on the drum shuffle, let's let's go back to the very beginning. Now, you (laughs) you were born and raised in Southern California, Correct.
1: Oh, man. So um, raised kind of all over, to be honest. Uh, I was born in uh, a college town in Washington State, Pullman, uh, where my pops was going to school. And um, we moved around quite a bit um, just due to his job. But I guess I would say the easiest way of putting it is uh, I spent most of my formative years in the Bay Area of okay. uh, California, you know, so like East Bay, San Francisco, kind of around there.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, now, so growing up, if you moved around a little bit, um, you, you know, uh, how do I want to frame this question? I want this to make <laughs> sense, but I, I think kids that move around a lot typically find an escape in music is that a fair assumption to make on your part
1: uh you know man i would say two things at least in my experience you know the one thing that it really did uh solidify was um so there's uh in my family i have two brothers on the middle and uh you know obviously my folks and the one thing that it did teach us was it was just taught us to, that, you know, we didn't really need anybody else. So it just made our family unit just hella tight, you know, just we just got along, you know, well, thick as thieves. And uh, a, a side uh, offshoot of that was, you know, my folks are just music lovers just through and through, you know. Um, and so because of that. And because of us moving around and we only really had each other, you know, we were just exposed to so much of my folk's music. And that was one of the, you know, things that I take with me through, you know, uh, all of my years. And um, so it, it's a yes, uh, a definitely yes, but like a two-part yes, because of the inspiration from my father's music and, you know, uh, being close with him and also finding, you know, my own uh interests in music and stuff like that.
0: I got you. Now what kind of music are we talking about now I, I'm assuming you know just by by watching your playing and listening to your bands, your, your pops probably had pretty good taste in music so
1: <laughs> oh dude, the best man My dad definitely knows what's up dude. That's for sure like it was constant uh, Beach Boys, Neil Young, you know all those kinds of, like old school rippers who'sker uh, do um, Dead Kennedys, uh, all kinds of stuff, just all across the board. My, my dad is just a a music, music lover for sure. And, uh, so all, all that kinds of stuff. It wasn't necessarily just those eras as well. Um, but yeah, he's just got phenomenal taste, dude.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I mean, you know, growing up surrounded by it, you know, you, 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 at least for me, you know, I just buried myself. In, into my brother's record collection. I've got an older sure. brother and, and he was a college DJ. So I buried myself into the stuff that that he was into, you know. So um, I had a, a good steady diet of, of great music and I just, you know, buried my head in those records and, yeah. you know, then the drums came a calling. So um, when, at, at what point in your life did you first start saying, hey, mom, dad, I want a drum set?
1: <laughs> dude, so uh, maybe this is i I'm a bit of an outlier in this, but dude, I, that, I, I never had to ask that question. And so like w- when I was a kid, I, I, music affected me always so much and so deeply. I just wanted to do anything I could like do to be a part of it. And so I bounced around on quite a few different instruments for a long time. And one of the ones that really stuck with me for quite a few years was bass. And so that was kind of, you know, through middle school. And when we started high school, my little brother, he got the drum kit. And so I would just kind of like double dip. You know, I'd go from working on my scales and just, you know, whatever finger positions, stuff like that on, on bass, which I loved. But then, dude, when I just sat down behind a kit, it just all made sense. And so I never really had to say, yo, pops. Hook it up with the kit it was just like it was there for me to just get and jam on whenever I wanted and then and then that just kind of eventually took over because it uh, I mean obviously clearly drums just rule dude so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> for sure well so that's cool so uh, uh, now uh, just the next obvious question since it was you three boys, were you guys doing your own bands? Like were you creating brother bands or were you playing with other kids from school? I mean, how were those, you know, first bands, how did you put those together? I guess is what I'm ultimately asking.
1: So, um, yes and a no. So my older brother is, uh, he's, definitely like really musically inclined, but his passion is more in the visual arts, right? So he's a graphic designer, a painter, all that stuff, but he's always played and things like that. But we never really did much jamming until many years later. But uh, my younger brother and I, yeah, we definitely, you know, get together and jam. He's a guitar player, uh, amazing musician, um, composer, all that stuff. And... So we definitely would get deep on some jams and all that stuff, and then you know, uh, you know, fast forward many years to you know now living in LA. I mean, Trev and I gig together all the time, dude. We have a blast, rip it up, dude. It's it's the greatest thing ever, you know. So
0: yeah, okay, cool. So in your uh, early formative years, you know you had the drum set at home you you're, you know that belonged to your brother y- you are kind of transitioning from bass to drums did you do <laughs> <laughs> Did you do any kind of formal drum lessons or or are you completely self taught
1: um, so my man, when I was going through high school and started just playing in like terrible cover bands and punk bands and all that stuff, it was. All by ear, i uh, you know ha grew up with you know a bunch of friends in my neighborhood and we would jam and stuff like that, but it, nobody was like really writing anything, so I would just jam along to records right and uh, i didn 't necessarily have any um, burning interest to study with anybody at that point in my life. I just wanted to play songs, and I guess that is definitely something that transitioned you know with me through to this day like you know, I yeah, sure. Everybody loves, you know, the, them hot licks, dude, you know, and just like the fastest feet, fastest hands, all that rad stuff. It's all great, you know, but at the end of the day, the thing that really always inspired me was to play songs. So at that point, you know, I was able to jam along to, you know, whatever records I wanted to and all that other stuff. But then when I really got serious um, and moved to L.A., that's when, I was like, all right, <laughs> dude, got to put the big boy pants on, you know, just right. <laughs> and then the left, like, cool. I got to figure out what the hell a paradiddle is. I got to figure out all this stuff. I probably had some crazy grip action going on, getting blisters on my hands constantly. Probably looked like a total fool with my mouth hanging open when I was jamming. You know, all that good stuff, dude. So when I got to L.A. many years later, that's when I was like, all right, cool, Let's do this real. And, uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, started learning more and more styles, technique, all that other stuff. But yeah, at that point in time, it was just, I wanted to jam along to, I don't know, whatever record I could, everything from Barry White to Metallica, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, very similar story. So, um, that's, you know, I think, I think guys that come from the song perspective, instead of you know i've got blazing chops i I just think there's a difference i'm not saying one is better than the other that's not what i'm saying but i think the guys like you and i that grew up just jamming along with records i I think that i think our transition into being a a band drummer is a little bit easier than the guys that have the blistering chops they kind of have to learn how to how to lay back a little bit if that makes any sense
1: Oh yeah, dude, totally. I still don't have any chops, man. I swear, my 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 hands and my feet—they just move at a cool 25 miles an hour, dude. We're talking city street speeds here. You know what I mean? It's not like million miles an hour blazing chops, all this kinds of crazy stuff. Which, dude, I just know how to fake it. You know what I mean? That's the real thing. The guys that do the real stuff—that's you know—that's for them, you know. But dude, for me, I just—I don't have that within me, you know. So my my inspiration and drive was always to just kind of. You just groove and lay it down, dude. You know, that was my thing. I just wanted to jam and play songs, dog.
0: Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, so I, when you moved to L.A., you, you said it was much later on. How old were you when you made that journey to L.A.? And and, and I guess before you answer that, the the, the most appropriate question for me to ask is at, <laughs> at what point did you say, okay, I really want to try to do this as my vocation. Therefore I probably need to relocate to LA. How old were you when you started saying, I really want to chase this seriously?
1: Um, <laughs> so, that's, you know, it's also a bit of a, a, you know, um, windy kind of answer, my man. Uh, You know, straight up, like, you know, from the first time I I ever heard, you know, Pet Sounds or I don't know, any of those old Tower Power records or anything like that when I was a kid, that's really all I ever wanted to do with my life. Straight up, like, that was it. But, um, you know, after I finished high school, I was just not in a scene of a music scene that could, you know, somebody could actually thrive in, right? And I didn't really kind of know how to approach that, pursue it. And so, um, long story short, uh, when I graduated high school, I was 17 and uh, just on the cusp of turning 18, and I just went to, you know, a regular college, man, for two years. And, man, look, let me tell you this, dude. That was uh, the best and worst two years of my entire life, dude. <laughs> uh, it was and, – and it was that for this. Uh, it – In terms of like life fulfillment, it was like the worst kind of personal purgatory that anybody could ever put themselves through because I just didn't know how to do what I wanted to do with my life. I was out there. Believe it or not, dude, my major, because I had to declare when I went to college, it was fruit science, bro. Fruit (laughs) science. Right. So no joke. First week of classes, I get in there and, you know, I'm just kind of looking like this hesher kind of kid, long hair, whatever dude, you know. And uh, I roll into these classes and I'm in there with these guys with like cowboy hats on and some wranglers and boots. And that first week, you know, part of the class was we had to shovel these walnuts into this big like, I don't know, like dumpster container thing. And I was just like, this um, maybe this is somebody else's dream, but it's certainly not mine, dude. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, by the, uh, by the worst, I meant it was that, but by the best, I meant that it, it, uh, it took me a minute to kind of like, you know, turn my thinking around. And a lot of that was, um, due to my mom as well. But, uh, it, you know, she definitely gave me the push that I needed, but it, it was the best in terms of just really teaching me. This isn't what I'm supposed to do. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Uh so that when I finally did, you know, get out of um get out of the town that I was living in and going to college that I really really just pursued music as hard as I could. I mean, that's that's it. It was so it was the worst and the best and that was the kind of thing. It wasn't just like, okay, cool, you know, I was you know, uh, born and raised living in LA or, you know, somewhere cool that had all the cool gigs and all this other stuff. It was, you know, I had to subject myself to some kind of personal purgatory and, you know, whatever, and turn it around, you know, and, and that's kind of the best thing about it. Cause I think that really, you know, changed my focus on how I, um, have pursued any gig, man, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, that was a really long answer, my dude. No, no,
0: no, that, and, and, <laughs> no, no, no. That's great, and you know, I think, I, I think it says a lot, you know. Um, and that's what we're going after, you know. When we when we talk to all you incredible guys and girls that have chosen this instrument as your vocation, we want to know what makes you tick. And you know, he- sure. hearing the stories of, you know, so many great players that are like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I I was a short order cook at IHOP, you know, for five (laughs) years, you know, I mean, we've had those stories. Right. And, and, you know, I think it really does. Um, it puts in perspective if you've never done anything else, right. You might take, you might take it for granted. I don't know that because I'm like you, I had to go, you know, work at pizza hut and you know (laughs) the, the security guard jobs and you know all that craziness till i could figure out nah man this is you know this must be somebody else's dream but it's certainly not mine so i think that's um very telling so um when you made the move to LA when you decided okay I'm really gonna chase this I'm gonna go to LA and as you said earlier put on the big boy pants that's it man um so when you got to LA that's a that's a tough scene to break into talk to us talk to us a little bit about that moving to town you know did you know anybody there how did you start getting your name in those circles
1: oh dude it was it was tough right um you know, uh, I didn't know a single soul in L.A. besides my big brother. So my big brother um, was already down here going to college and I just straight up moved in with him, man. And that was the best uh, the best thing that could have happened because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we're all pretty tight, my brothers and I. And um, so I didn't feel like. I was 100% all alone in this endeavor, but, you know, getting down into town, it was was rough, dude, you know, just, you don't know anybody, so where do you start? At the absolute bottom, dude. (laughs) I swear, bro, I've played the worst songs and the worst gigs of all time, you know what I mean? Multiple times over. (laughs) You know? just to like slug your way up through, you know, okay, cool. You know, you see, you're playing, you know, a terrible gig here. You're doing a terrible gig there, but this guy is kind of cool. And he's got, or the bass player is cool or the guitar player is cool. And, you know, you kind of just start networking from the bottom up, you know, and, and then you're like, Oh, you're talking to another guy on the gig. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm going on this audition. You know, it could be for whatever. And I'm like, Oh dude, an audition. How did, how, you you hear me knocking dude yeah. let me in I, I i gotta know what's up how do i like get you know in with these people that get called for auditions and stuff and so man it took oh god you know years of just slugging away and just doing uh, a ton of awful gigs uh which 99 percent of them didn't pay anything <laughs> you know it's funny, right? Because it's like, you know, so many of these gigs out down here, you know, you got to pay for parking or whatever. The loading situation is terrible. And like, you're already broke. So, you know, you're like, all right, I'm parking, you know, three blocks away and I got to lug my kid in for a 25 minute set of playing the world's worst music, you know? <laughs> but like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you got to have that attitude of just, you know, I'm in this to win this, you know, like this, this there's, there's uh, a... I'm on my path and not to get distracted by that. But, yeah, man, it was, it was tough. So, you know, you just kind of work your way through all the, the lowest bottom level of gigs and then, you know, network and make friends along the way, man. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, too. <clears throat> One of the biggest uh, lessons I learned is that, uh, you know, of course, there's always an exception. But, man, you know, just a, a, a good personality and just a good vibe goes so far and will genuinely take you so much further than if you approach things with the chip on your shoulder. You're like, I'm not getting paid for this gig, or oh, man, I got to drive, you know, like two hours for this gig for to, to the sound guy and my girlfriend, you know? Like that attitude will never get you anywhere. And so I think just that was the one thing I was just always so thankful to be gigging and actually doing it, you know? I had to borrow, I think... 1100 bucks from my folks for a real drum kit and, like, some, I don't know, some terrible cymbals and, like, you know, some, like, used hardware just to, like, start getting going. And, uh, man, I was just so stoked to be doing any gigs, you know? So that was the vibe, man. It was just, like, got it, get into town and just kind of work your way through it and, you know, be a good dude and just make some friends and just slowly slug away through the uh, – through the ranks, man, you know, and, and that was essentially the whole approach and that's kind of <laughs> how it worked out. So, you know, it's, it's a windy path, brother. It's a windy path.
0: Yeah, man, it is. And you know, it, I say this on this show all the time, you have to treat every gig the same. And that is, you have to be oh yeah, a pro you know, and I, you know, I've told this story on here before and there's kind of a running joke on the podcast that, you know, um, knowing how to play brick house and brown eyed girl, right. In the, in the the wedding band, like, you know, that's, that's a real thing. I never want to hear those songs again, but if I got a, (laughs) but if I got a gig next weekend, you know, a wedding reception, I'm going to be playing brick house and brown eyed girl and you'd better lay it down right? Oh, I mean,
1: dude, you better lay it down and you better be stoked about it. You know what I mean? Straight up.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've had gigs where it was just, you know, horrible, you know, country music or whatever, but you right. never know, man, the guitarist on that gig may be starting a really hip rock band next week. And and if you do a good job on his country gig, he may call you and you have to treat every opportunity like that.
1: Oh, that's exactly it, man. That. Like, I think the, the, the epitome of real good networking, it's just like, you show up on a gig, good attitude, you do the thing, you put your best foot forward, and somebody that, you know, they might have another gig a month later, next week, they, and that something falls through with their the drummer or other musician, and then, you know, you might get referred to that, and that's, that's exactly how it happens, dude. Show up prepared, you know, good attitude, all that stuff, it's just, uh, man, the proof is in the pudding right there, man, straight up
0: absolutely so you know after going through you know uh, um you know your networking period in la um what was the first success that that you felt you started having uh you know in in the big city
1: oh man um uh uh, now do you mean personal success or like first diff, first like decent gig kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think they I, both, go I, hand I, in hand. I, yeah, okay. yeah, they kind of go hand in hand, but you know, I mean, like I don't want to skip too far ahead and just start immediately talking about the vitals and, and ages. Right. So what were some of the first stepping stone gigs, I guess, where you were like, Hey, sure. this, this isn't so bad. This is all right.
1: Yeah, man. Um, So, you know, it's funny, right? Um, I was just working away, slugging away on a bunch of gigs, and almost all of them had just run their course or just kind of come to an end. And I was at a point where, um, you know, I was never going to throw in the towel, but I was just like, oh, dude, I really got to, you know, drum up some new work and get some new resources, make some new connections, because uh, a lot of these wells are kind of running dry right now. And I'd gotten referred to. Um, it was basically like a, you know, kind of like a cattle call audition, and it was for a singer uh, from a punk band. He was doing like a side project band with his uh, with his girlfriend at the time, and so it was kind of like a punk rock reggae kind of duet thing, you know, and uh, and that was that was the first kind of decent gig or like the door kind of started to open for me at that point. I did that for about uh oh my goodness, dude. I think it was like a year and a half, 2 years. I don't know, give or take. And um and then <clears throat> I'd got I'd gotten to know all the dudes in his band and become familiar with their music just by association and so At the time when uh, their drummer, uh, who's a ripping human, rad dude, shout out to uh, Tony Palermo, he now plays in Papa Roach, when he got the call to go uh, work for the Roach Boys, I then um, got, I was the first call to go from the singer's band into uh, his his actual decent-paying band, decent-working band, which was called Unwritten Law, and that was my first time working for a national act getting to tour uh internationally and <clears throat> and really kind of being able to actually start paying some bills and living and stuff like that and i guess the you know to the the self-fulfillment side of that is that is uh when i was able to land my first endorsement man and it was uh and that was with uh vic firth and dude i i, I when I, I remember when I got that letter in the mail and <laughs> read that, it was just like uh, I couldn't believe it. I think I read that letter like a hundred times, just you know, uh, over and over again. And it probably only had you know like twenty five words. You know, okay, yeah, welcome, <laughs> w- welcome to the, the Earth Artist family. You know, uh, you know, ABC XYZ. Here's your contact, and you know, send an email. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude! I was so stoked, you know. And it was like. I couldn't have been more pumped to be the lowest man on the totem pole at that point, you know? It was just like, yo, this is awesome, you know? And uh, so, you know, that those those things kind of went hand in hand. so my first, you know, real gig in L.A. was working for uh, Unwritten Law, and they're kind of like a San Diego punk band and stuff like that. They kind of came up in that scene of bands with, like, uh, No Doubt, Blink-182, and those kinds of
0: bands, yeah for sure man and I, you know same you know the the first uh endorsement deal that came my way you know I, I was ready to just like set my head on fire I couldn't oh, believe yeah. it you know it was like <laughs> uh, and, and you know what's funny about that you know and we've had episodes where we talk all about that and I, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole but you know sure that is like I think for any musician, when somebody is like, we want you to help represent our brand, you know, and, and sure, sure, man, that is like the ultimate form of acceptance and approval. And it's like, I must be a professional now, right?
1: <laughs> hey, man. If I am, then I'm completely stoked. But in my, like, small little noodle, I'm just thinking to myself, dude, I'm, I must have conned somebody all the way to <laughs> the top, you know? Like, like the rug's going to get pulled out from underneath me at any point, dude, you know? But, uh, dude, it, yeah, it, it's such a such an honor, man, you know? Like, um, I, I remember one of the, the craziest things was that band, we were on Warp Tour in 2011, and they were doing like a spread on Warped Tour bands or whatever and it was just like a small tiny ad in Modern Drummer right and um, it was just on like like the spine of like one of the pages and uh, I was in an ad with Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden dude and I was like (laughs) oh yeah dude this is the coolest thing ever I'm like looking at like yeah there's my weird looking face and then there's Nico McBrain dude I was like yes this guy has all the toms All the most ripping like parts ever plays in one of like the like biggest legacy metal bands of all time. Like this is the coolest ever, bro.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, That's awesome. You know, if my picture is ever next to Nico's it's going to be because we got arrested in an airport or something, right? So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man, dude, one too many at the airport bar or something. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, so,
0: kudos to you, Dylan. <laughs> oh man,
1: that, like I said, dude, path of life is a windy one, brother. It's crazy, you
0: know. No doubt, man. Well, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So, well, okay. So, you mentioned Vic. Firth, um, you know, and one of the things um, that that I found on you out there is, uh, you know, Vic Firth does a good job of doing some artist videos and they put out, yeah. you know, through their website and YouTube and things like that. And one of the things that I caught from you was you were doing a playthrough with the Vitals and I, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but, sure. but man, dude, Tasty as hell what you were doing Um, it was just this great like you know right hand left hand unison kind of groove man it was almost like you'd been playing in a texas blue shuffle band for 30 years it was you you know i mean i was just watching it i was like wow man he's got an amazing left hand it was just really cool stuff but those are the kind of opportunities that you get with companies you know like for you with Vic Firth for me with Los Cabos drumsticks you know it's the the artist support they really you know you're helping them sell product but they're helping get your name to a larger audience (coughs) as well I mean and it's really cool
1: uh you know dude that that kind of stuff is so so damn flattering you know um I, I it almost you know it almost makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, like, in my mind, you know, those those opportunities should go to dudes, you know, like the legends, you know, the guys that are really on the forefront of just, like, like I don't know, everything, like, taste and just, every, like, dudes like Vinny Cagliuta should be, like, doing all those videos exclusively, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like that, that's the kind of guy or like Dave Garibaldi where it's just like, yo, dude, let me let me hear some dudes that really know what's up. But I, I, I digress. I guess my main point being, you know, it's extremely flattering. And I just was, you know, I'm thankful for any of the opportunities that I've had along the way. You know, uh, if there's you know, I know what it meant to me to be inspired as a young kid that really was just trying to learn how to play, period, you know, and I know what those players and those songs meant to me. And if in some weird, random, bizarre universe, somebody feels that way about anything that I'm able to leave behind, um, then, you know, uh, I, I think my purpose in life is fulfilled. You know, it's just uh, an absolute, incredible, incredible opportunity to be given that, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very humbling, bro. It's very humbling.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you might be being a little bit shy there because man, let's face it. Okay. Your playing is great. And you know, I, I just think I, I feel the exact same way, you know, everything that you just said, ditto. Right. I mean, I, I really do feel that way, but at the same time, there has to be a passing of the torch at some point. Right. Of
1: course, of course, and,
0: you know, and, Look, if I'm not saying this would ever happen in some random bizarro universe that, you know, somebody like, you know, I don't know, one of my idols, you know, Charlie Watts would say, here, Jamie, here's yeah, yeah. the here's the torch, take it. That's not going to happen. But at some point, somebody's got to pick up the flag and keep running up the hill. And, you know, it's going to be dudes like you and me.
1: I, you know, that's a, that's a great way of putting it, my man. You know, um. <clears throat> it's 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 definitely 100 percent true i'm just never one to toot my own horn or fly my own flag but you're 100 percent correct bro and and that's really what it is you know especially when you're a part of like you know newer music that might connect to a younger generation of people and maybe you got like i don't know a cool creative thing or maybe you're just doing the same thing that's been doing since drumming started and you're just doing it well enough to connect with a young impressionable person or an old school cat that's been around. that's like, yo, this guy knows what's up. And that's kind of what you live for. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I'm just glad that there's guys your age uh, out there in these bands that actually have a, a real life drummer with a heartbeat that goes into the studio and records drum parts. I mean, because it's that's becoming more of the exception than the rule, I I think, you know?
1: Yeah, it's definitely been interesting, man. You know, the the last handful of years, um, just, uh, you know, the the, the man being a musician, there's like, you know, it's the greatest thing, but it also is a very uh, think on your your feet, um, constant adjustment, uh, going with the flow kind of lifestyle, and... So for me, you know, just trying to find out where I fit in as um, you know this new technology or you know new styles and all these things, you know, not not to uh, maybe it was about two years ago or something like that. I did I was doing the working for this um, this pop band, and uh, it was my first time touring with uh, where the kit was fully triggered. Like every single thing on the kit was triggered. I mean, I've done that in in the past, but with just like, say, maybe a pad here or a pad there or whatever. But the kit on this tour was fully triggered. And at at first, I I think just out of inexperience, I was, you know, a little like, oh man, you know, I don't know about that. But honestly, at the end of the day, doing those shows, it really kind of like changed my mind and how I think about those kinds of things. And so, looking forward to, you know, whether it's um, whatever kind of session I might get called for now or whatever whatever kind of production the client is going for, you know, trying to find the right path to uh, complement the music and, and dial in those songs and really connect with the artist and with the listener, you know, it's, um, it's definitely an always you know, evolving and ever-changing kind of landscape. And so uh, I totally know what you're saying. I'm, you know, the, one of the things that stokes me the hardest is if I got to play on, you know, like an alternative track or hip-hop track and there's, you know, a bunch of programming already in there and, you know, what the song calls for is just a straight-up, you know, quarter notes on the hat and a big, fat one and three, two and four, just right in the chorus, drop it in, a crash coming out of it. Man, it makes such a big difference And for the client to be stoked on that and be like, yeah, dude, that was the right call. That's something that, you know, you couldn't necessarily do or implement, um, you know, in the box, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, and, you know, I mean, I I guess – You know, I'm an old soul, I'm old school, but at the same time when young guys say, you know, what should I be working on? And I'm not some teacher or some guru or anything like that, but the young cats are like, what should I really focus on? And I'm like, well, first of all, it's not to be the next, you know, Thomas Lang or Marco Miniman. That's great if you can do it, but if you really want to work on something to make yourself marketable, learn Ableton. You know, I mean, sure. Like, sure. Like, if you can be that versatile guy where you can go in and play the songs well on the drum set, but you can also run an Ableton live rig during a show, doing the triggers, doing the loops, doing all that stuff, you're going to get called before a guy like me that doesn't know how to do that, period.
1: You know, it, it never, never hurts to diversify straight up and that that goes across the board dude you know this it's like cool play on a rock track play a country track you know do you know like uh what can you do like a foxtrot a train beat you know like all these kinds of things it can never hurt to diversify your knowledge in your area of expertise right so whether that's just drumming or maybe you want to just say music in general right so knowing how to you know run Pro Tools and Logic or Digital Performer or any of these other, you know, um, platforms in addition to honing your craft that can never hurt and can never uh, be a drawback for your appeal for a gig, for work, opportunities, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I I remember like, you know, around here, the Nashville number system is like a real thing. When you go on a studio call, everybody's using numbers, Right. And right. the first like half a dozen times I was in that situation, it was like everybody in the room was speaking Chinese except me.
1: <laughs> like yeah, I dude.
0: had no idea what was going on. And, and I worked with a bass player who was like, man, this is really easy. You know, It's we, yeah. we, we do this so that we can change the key of the song and everybody still knows what's going on, right? If you, if you right. understand the, the, the basic premise... And just having a cursory knowledge of that has made me much more marketable. Like, I'm not lost anymore. You, you know what I'm saying? So.
1: Oh, dude,
0: 100%. You, you know, so, I mean, I think your point is well taken. Learn as much as you can about everything. It makes you yeah. more marketable. And the most marketable guy will often get the call for the gig
1: absolutely that guy and if that guy's got a good attitude man i'm telling you that guy's going to be working straight up you know
0: yeah for sure all right so that was i mean that was a fantastic rabbit hole that we just crawled out of (laughs) but i want to be respectful of your time we we got to talk about the, the the two bands that that i dare i say you're best known for first is the vitals right and okay you guys had you know some some good success in that band and i want to mention that band because it was very unique in that you guys were a a, a trio essentially with no bass player so yeah you had to really as we say here in the south you had to haul the mail you had to be the <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a great thing dude <laughs> yeah man
0: you, you had to you had to be the backbone you didn't have a bass player to help you with that low end and 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 the 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 base of the song so talk to me a little bit about that band and and how you approach that project knowing that there's not going to be a bass player here
1: um yeah man you know um that band was a, a really special band to me, a uh, really special time in my life. Um, the other two in the band, you know, they're just some of uh, the greatest people on earth. I just love them absolutely dearly. The, uh, 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 just to only briefly explain why we didn't have a bass player is just when we started jamming, the vibe was just so deep. And it was, and we were such good friends that we were just like, well, if there's somebody that kind of comes in, don't want to just disturb the vibe or rock the boat, so let's just see how far we can get, um, you know, just as a three piece. And it was, but the door was always open in case we ever, you know, one of our friends or somebody came across and wanted to jam with us. But, um, <laughs> so, anyways, that was the whole impetus for just being a three piece. But, man, um, the, the guitar player in that band, Henrik, he and I have been in and out of bands and friends for just so long and played together for so long as well that, you know, it was the the, the chemistry be, uh, between us. And, you know, it was like, I guess the, in a similar way, just like when, you know, you have that real tight rhythm section, you know, that when the bass and drums just really lock in uh, and they just just like a unstoppable force it was a very similar kind of thing that you know Henrik and I have and so when we approached um, working on new tunes and grooves and literally everything with that band we always kind of came at it from that kind of perspective and um, it was it was a really rad band man you know we just started as you know one, uh, one guitar Kate played guitar every now and then and then drums and that was, like, the first record, and then, you know, we did a 10-inch, ten, ten and then, you know, we released another couple songs, and the sound of the band was always ever-evolving. And and that's really, towards the end is when I really started diving into, uh, you know, supplementing the kit with, I had a SPD-SX on my left, and I had started having to play much, much more complex parts with the SPD and the drum kit. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I swear every, like, you know, neuron and dendrite in my brain must have been firing when I was playing those gigs because <laughs> I could not, I could not think of anything else without getting like lost. I swear, if a slight breeze was gonna hit your boy, I would have been totally lost, dude. <laughs> but uh, man, it was it was really cool and it was a really big growing um, experience for me in my life, and, and I was very thankful. For it, and I, I just love the two of them dearly, man, and, and uh, very, very proud of the music that we we made, and it was it was a rad time, you know. So,
0: well, it was just such a creative band, and y- you know, look, man, I've got a list of like seven billion bands that should have been huge, right? Oh, I mean, of course. I, I, you know, we all have that list someplace, you know. Um, I, I would definitely put the Vitals on that list. That is a band oh, that should have been ginormous because it was so creative the songs were good and it it was just dare I say maybe it was a little too far ahead of its time I don't know if that makes sense or not but it was just such a good band you guys should have been way bigger than than what you got um and just so creative I mean that's the word that just keeps coming out of my mouth so creative
1: Hey, I appreciate that, bro. You know, it was it was a rad time, and and I think uh, all of the three of us, I think, just had a really cool, unique chemistry, and I think that's, um, you know, that's the legacy the band leaves. You know, you put on any of those tunes, there's an instant vibe, whether you like it or not, and uh, it's undeniable. And I think that's. Like one of the coolest things that I think we were able to achieve, you know, and, and so I, I appreciate that, brother. Thank you, man.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, man, and, and, and I'm sincere. I'm not just saying it. Now, Um and you're going to have to forgive me because I don't know exactly the timeline here, but when, when the vitals sort of wrapped up, did you, did you immediately start playing with Ages, or did that come a little bit later on? Talk to me about how you ended up there.
1: Oh, dude, that's uh it's a long story and a relationship that evolved over many many years um so oh my goodness um <laughs> so uh all right so er, you know quite a few years ago uh, and i guess maybe a couple years before the vital started um my brother and I had another band and, you know, we were just def- pounding the pavement out here in L.A. Uh, in the scene and, you know, you get to meet other, you know, rad people and play with other bands and stuff like that. And uh, so through the scene, we had gotten to meet the ages guys because they've been around for, for a while as well. And like they had come out to see uh, my brother and I, our old band, uh, their gigs and so, but when that band kind of fell apart, I was doing the vitals pretty much exclusively. I'm trying to cut it down for you here, bro. And uh, so, what AGE's old drummer, um, this dude named Mike Land, uh, he, oddly enough, he and I had kind of like piggybacked on different gigs in the past. Like after I left Unwritten Law, he started playing for Unwritten Law and he was wor- uh, working with AGE's as well. And so, when the vitals were gigging, like when we went out to do South by Southwest and all this other stuff, Ages was out there as well. And so Mike and I were friends, and I was also friends with, you know, Kimball and Tony. And so they would come out and see us play and we'd go see them play and then catch up over some drinks afterwards, you know, that kind of thing. Um fast forward to uh you know quite a few years later, um let's see. Oddly enough, my brother and I are in our own band again, and uh, similar kind of situation. You know, we're just you know doing our thing with the with the boys and being you know good friends. And um, Kimball and Tony called me up, and they were they had a a tour booked. Yeah, they had a tour booked opening for for Chevelle, and they just said, hey, dude, you know, uh, we got this tour coming up, and we need a guy, you know, can you do it? And we'd just been friends for, you know, quite a few years at this point, but we'd never actually jammed, right? You know, been we'd seen each other play a bunch of times, but never actually got to jam together. And so um, when I went down to have my first jam, you know, I was familiar with the tunes and all this stuff, and the hang was already great. And so when we just started playing like some of those, you know, the, the ages songs, it was, you know, I knew the vibe. I was familiar with the guys personally and musically. And uh, so we kind of just, I, I did as best as I could to make a seamless transition for the guys and to, you know, just do what, everything I could to make sure that when it was showtime, we're on the big stage, you know, uh, opening for the Chevelle dudes that, Those songs come off with 100% conviction, and even if somebody was familiar with the other members of the band, that we were able to live up to what their expectations were and hopefully exceed them, you know, and also, you know, respect them and the legacy that they left with the band and all of that. So, you know, it was uh, was a lot of fun, dude. You know, that first run with the guys was great, and uh, oh, man, yeah, so that's a bit of a very long story, kind of just tried to cut down for
0: you there well i yeah man and obviously it worked out right i mean because because here you are i mean (laughs) and for (laughs) for for people that maybe are are not familiar with ages um i i i don't know how else to explain it other than to say it's it's new it's old it's yep. it's heavy it's not um it's um you know i how i i don't want to pigeonhole you guys with any of my listeners that aren't uh, that aren't familiar but you know so i hear nine inch nails i hear foo fighters i hear sure. you, you know what i'm saying like it's it, it's all of those things with great harmony vocals and a great vibe I mean what a great band man I mean it's oh
1: dude thank you bro
0: yeah I mean I how would you explain the band to somebody that that isn't familiar what would you say
1: um I would say that uh, uh, with without drawing like a direct Direct band comparison to just kind of like try to describe the vibe, I would say it's heavy, it's melodic, and it's groovy. you know I yeah. think that's probably the, the the easiest way of putting it, right? So if you know like heavy music you're going to love the you know the big old riffs, you know, and obviously everybody loves groove. who doesn't? nobody you know, and uh, Kimball is just such a fantastic songwriter and singer and you know his um sense of melody is just uh through the roof dude and, and and so when it comes time to you know putting down a vocal and writing and all that other stuff the guy just really really knows how to string the notes together and I think that's just a huge part of the band's sound is is uh, the, his writing and yeah so I, I guess that's kind of how I'd try to sum it up you know
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think it's heavy enough for the guys that like the full leaded diet, right? They, they're, 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 they're like, yeah, man, these guys are heavy. It's great. But it's not it's not so heavy that somebody that just listened to one of the Adele records would put it on and go, oh, what is this? This is terrible. You know what I mean? It's like it's heavy but accessible. I, I don't know how else to say it.
1: Dude, I totally know what you're saying, and Tony's probably going to hate me for saying this, but he told me years ago on one of their old record uh, reviews, I I don't remember where it was from, but the guy that reviewed the record, dude, he described it as girlfriend metal, and I was just like, (laughs) oh my god, that's like the greatest description and worst description ever but it just it stokes me and puts a smile on my face he's probably just gonna hate my guts for saying that but it's like it's perfect and awful all at the same time it's just just great (laughs) that's girlfriend metal well now
0: now see i would probably say nickelback is more girlfriend metal you guys are definitely not that so you know but um (laughs) I'm going to hell for that one. Uh, you know, no
1: way, man. No way. Hey, you got to call it like it is, bro. Uh, so,
0: but, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, I love heavy music, right? And I, I,
1: hell yeah.
0: Instantly dug it. And I was like, but you know what? This isn't so heavy that it's going to be all dudes in leather and denim at the show, right? I mean, that's totally, th- th- that's how I would put it. You know, it's, um, y- you know, and I know the new single was just recently released um, yeah. called Colors. Um, man, what a great tune. I mean, and what great tasty playing on it. Drum wise, Dylan. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm no, I'm, I'm, and I'm being sincere, man. I mean, I've had guys on here that have a new release out, and I'm like, yeah, man, it's it's okay, you know. But I, I'm being sure. sincere when I say it. It's really good playing. It's a really great song. So, is this is that single going to lead to a a full length? I mean, are you guys in the studio? What are your your immediate plans? I guess
1: so um so i guess kind of just trying to give a little bit of perspective uh about you know just where everything's at is that we man we dropped a full length uh uh, god i want to say it was right around when you know 2020 started and we had uh you know done i think like two tours after the record had come out and it was you know we were just so stoked and then pandemic stuff started and everything stopped. Obviously, everybody knows. And, you know, we were just like, God, you know, we were so stoked to really work that record. And we believed so much in those songs. But, you know, the the live opportunity, which, uh, in my opinion, is such a strong suit of the band is the live performance. Uh, You know, those opportunities just didn't exist. But Um, you know, on the other side of that, uh, you know, we did everything we could with that record and we're all super proud of it. I love all those songs and we have, uh, Oh my goodness. I think, I think including colors, nine more new songs. And, um, and they, some of them were tracked longer ago than others or whatever, you know, just as, as time has been going on here. And, uh, We're just really stoked on them, but we're kind of just trying, I think, to, you know, make the best plan moving forward with the band, you know. So hopefully we want to absolutely put out colors because we love the song and feel good about it. And the world's starting to turn again, which we're so stoked about. And so I I think that we're just going to kind of play this by ear with the other tunes and see if we can get, you know, some mileage out of these songs that you know we all love so much just because you know when we put out the drum in full time uh full length it you know just uh, and then with the pandemic starting it was just like oh man you know which we could have spread that out over a longer period of time and so I think we're kind of just playing it by ear right now with all these other tunes but man we got a bunch more rippers in the bag that I'm I'm really stoked about and So, and Colors is the first one uh, of them. So, and that one, that one was definitely a lot of fun, man. You know, uh, I'll say this, you know, Kimball and Tony, they just have such a great ear for groove. They're groove guys like myself. And so when, you know, during the writing process, everybody's got just super rad ideas. And um, that's the best thing man. I don't profess to have any answers, you know. And so if somebody comes at me with, hey, you should start the song with this hot lick that goes I'm like uh if I thought of that i would be like oh that's gonna be like you know a stupid drummer thing but because the singer told me to do it I was like that's dope and it works (laughs) it works perfectly with the song you know and so like I'm just you know working with those guys is just uh just so great and again you know so musical and So I'm just really stoked on all the things that I've been able to be a part of with them and uh, also moving forward the things to come out. And so I guess that's a long way of saying, you know, we're going to try to just take it as it comes. And so hopefully, you know, uh, when when we get some shows going and tours and stuff, you know, we can put out all these new rippers, man, because we just we're really stoked on all the stuff we uh, have in the bag right now
0: yeah well and you know it goes without saying you know the modern day music industry the only way for any band to really make any money is based on the live shows the touring is is what pays the bills um let's face it and and you know I'm i'm not trying to pass judgment on spotify or itunes or any of that stuff but nobody wants to pay for music anymore Um, or if if they're willing to pay for music, it's through a subscription to a streaming service. And you know, I I don't know what kind of numbers you guys are getting, but you know, uh, when Peter Frampton says, "Hey, one of my songs was downloaded 23 million times, and I got a check for 1,500 bucks," there's a problem, right? So,
1: (laughs) yeah, dude, I think I I I totally hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying, and. I think the thing that you know big thing for all of us is, man, I, I'm just you know one man, there's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to be able to change all the state of music as it is currently. So what can we do, like you said, pound the pavement, get out and play some shows, man. And you know I think one of the cool things about the ages is that they you know, have really been able to dive into their kind of audience when they're people that love they're like me that love you know packaging they love to be able to hold a record that's got like a rad like colorful splatter vinyl and like you know you get to read the liner notes and all these things i love that tangible aspect to music and a a lot of people that are into the band love that stuff as well and so you know it's just been a a a rad connection to be able to have with the audience of people that like the music you know just get out there and do it and connect and i say this man you know um I really do think that, you know, the, the studio songs, uh, they're awesome because they have all the magic and all the bells and whistles. But man, there is nothing like a live show, dude, you know? And I think that we, that's one of our strongest suits. And so that's kind of what's been able to, I think, you know, always stoke me about being in the band and, and help us move forward.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, touche, you know, I and I agree with you completely. And I think that's why so many bands try to put out the best record they possibly can because that is the the gateway drug to get somebody to come see them when, when we roll into your town. Right. I mean, I I think all bands prefer to have butts in seats over people just streaming the song while they're out for their jog or walking their dog or whatever. So, you know um, kudos to you guys, you guys are, are working with great producers. It sounds great um but yeah for sure everybody needs to get out and see live music before it all goes away i mean so you know i i I totally agree with you Um, yeah dylan man thank you so much this has been great i want to be respectful of your time one of our traditions here on the drum shuffle we ask all of our guests for a good piece of advice you've offered up a bunch already but (laughs) Um you know as is the the case drummers are full of good advice It's the
1: coffee bro I'm telling you it's that <laughs> cup of coffee dude it did it sent me over the edge Well
0: you know just just don't ask your girlfriend's dad right I mean it, 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 drummers uh, you know girlfriends boyfriends you know whatever Uh, your significant other's fathers probably think drummers are full of crap, but you know, I, I think drummers are full of good advice. Um, what is a good piece of advice that you would share with, with our crowd over here at the drum shuffle?
1: You know, man, uh, I guess it, it kind of touches on what I was saying earlier, but, um, uh, it just, it, the attitude of gratitude, my man, you know, that, that, that is something that has carried me through all the moments, thick and thin, of being a musician. It's just like, yeah, sure, we, are, you know, most working musicians have to work gigs that maybe they're not stoked about. But you know, having the perspective of laying awake at night, you know, when I was eighteen, going to you know college and just hating every second of it, and just not being able to sleep because I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm. My life's not going in the right direction. I, I, I don't know how to, you know, steer the ship in the right way. And then now, you know, I might be working a gig I might not necessarily like. Or maybe there might be a difficult song where I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm not sure how to figure out this, this groove or whatever. Like maybe my 16th notes don't go to 220 BPM. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. You gotta. You just gotta approach everything with the attitude of gratitude, my man. Because it's 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 having that perspective of there was a time uh, in my life where I wasn't able to have these struggles, and these struggles I'm so thankful for because these are the things that I dreamed about having. These are the things that so many other people might never. You know, they might never uh, have those opportunities, even to even to be able to play a gig for their significant other and the sound guy, you know, and I think just always be thankful for just the, I mean, it's going to sound super cheesy and lame, but the gift of music, man, I know how much it means to me. And to even be able to play it is just uh, a dream come true. And I, I could, you know, to just approach everything that you can with, with gratitude, man, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's magic in music. And I truly believe that
0: yeah man uh as we say here in the south from your lips to god's ears because that is that is it man i say all the time my worst day of drumming is better than my best day of working right
1: oh dude straight up i'm telling you man it's better than shoveling walnuts dude you know what i mean <laughs> so, that's right uh, all right dude i'm 100 percent with you brother
0: yeah for sure man well listen hey thanks for taking the time before we let you go if uh if our crowd wants to connect with you wh- what are the uh you know twitter instagram facebook wh- where are you at where can folks uh follow you
1: oh man uh I'm on instagram uh almost everything you can find me at Dylan T howard so uh yeah that's it's pretty easy to find me so <laughs> yeah man
0: cool he'll be the the rad dude grooving, right?
1: (laughs) I'll be the guy with a really bad haircut that, you know, is just stoked all the time. So that's cool. You know what I mean? I'm into it.
0: Awesome. Well, Dylan, we got (laughs) to have you back sometime soon, man. You're welcome on this show anytime. Thank you,
1: brother. Thank Thank you you so
0: much for the time. We'll talk to you real soon,
1: bro. Awesome, my man. Thank you for having me, brother. Yes, sir. See you, man.
0: All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode number 129 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We simply cannot do this without each and every one of you tuning in week in and week out. As I ask every single episode, share a link with a friend. It helps us more than you'll ever know, and we appreciate it also more than you will ever know. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in to the Drum Shuffle. Uh, you're not going to want to miss some of the episodes that we have coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of which, next week I am going to be joined by the great Jeff Fab from Black Label Society. We had a great conversation, uh, and I know that you're not going to want to miss that. Hey. Keep in mind, we answer every single email that we receive here at the podcast. The email address is thedrumshufflepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Live music is coming back. I myself have booked a show here in the last week or so with my band Funnel for later this fall. Go see live music if it is safe for you to do so before it all goes away. That is the mantra that we're going to follow for the rest of this year. Go see live music when it is safe for you to do so. We all appreciate the support. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody.